I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Today, we welcome Daniel Gallen from PennLive.com to the show. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I noticed you on the ESPN Fantasy today. They used uh, one of your updates on the quarterbacks. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Carson Wentz uh, is, is good to go uh, for for Sunday. Um, you know, he missed some time last week with some groin tightness, but on Monday he said he's good to go, so he'll be out there Sunday for the Eagles. Uh, well, that's good for the Eagles. Um, what does the rest of the injury list look like? We're going to get some more updates later this afternoon. Uh, the Eagles are going to release their first uh, official uh, injury update um, of the season. Uh, up until now, it's been kind of these these non-specific kind of hockey type injury reports with upper body, lower body, uh, which you know can mean anything. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, missed some time uh, earlier in camp with a thumb injury, and that was listed as upper body. But two names uh, to watch, um, probably especially for Washington fans, are right tackle Lane Johnson and uh, running back Miles Sanders. Um, both of those guys have uh, been out since the first week of training camp uh, with lower body injuries. Uh, Sanders was designated week to week uh, early on, um, which is you know more of a, a longer term injury uh, in Doug Peterson's lingo, uh, while Johnson was day to day. Um, but Johnson and usually day to day guys come back a little bit quicker. Um, but Johnson still like didn't didn't come back by the end of training camp. Uh, Peterson said both of those guys are going to be doing individual work today um, and we'll have a little bit more clarity uh, later today, along with guys like defensive end Derek Barnett uh, and defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, uh, who have both missed some time uh, over the past month. Uh, in Washington, we are familiar with Nate Sudfeld. Is he the backup now? Yeah, he's listed as the number two quarterback uh, on the depth chart. And I would expect at this point that if something were to happen to Wentz, uh, he would be the one that would come into the game and not Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, it's going to be that's one of the subplots going into this year is how the Eagles are going to be able to use Hurts. Uh, the second rounder out of Oklahoma, who has a little bit of a different skill set uh, than, you know, than, Sud- than Sudfeld or Wentz. Um, but yeah, I would say right now it'll be Sudfeld, um, you know, if Wentz, if something were to happen to Wentz. Uh, but down the road, uh, you know, that could change. Uh, one thing that would be interesting with Hertz is if you have a package of plays for him at quarterback, uh, if Wentz goes down uh, and you put Hertz in, uh, that's something that the defense, you know, might not necessarily be as prepared for um, than if it were to be Sudfeld. Two questions on Hertz. Um, I'm glad you brought that. Is there going, because I was going to ask, is there going to be a package of plays for Hertz early on, uh, Wildcat or something like that? Or no, you don't think so? Uh, I guess the, the most honest answer is we don't know. Um, people have asked Doug Peterson uh, a couple times over the past month, you know, how they want to use Hertz or if there will be a package of plays, and uh, he won't give us that answer. So, uh, you know, we're going to find out uh, when everybody else does. Um, you know, for as much as we saw during uh, training camp, uh, we only saw Hertz working as a quarterback with the offense within the structure of the offense. 
Um, now, when he was in, there were a lot more rollouts. You know, he was using his legs a lot more than Wentz or Sudfeld. But the way things stand right now, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be just as excited to find out as everybody else. And to that point, what was the fan reaction when they drafted Hertz? <laughs> it was it was pretty mixed. Um, I think a lot of people were confused by it. Um, you know, you gave Wentz this enormous contract last summer, um, where at the time it was the, you know, one of the biggest ever, uh, for an NFL player. Of course, by now it's been dwarfed a couple times. Um, but everything was really pointing towards this becoming Wentz's team, uh, the work that he did down the stretch with, you know, not much around him and getting to the, getting the NFC East title and getting into the playoffs. You know, he made it through a season healthy up until concussion in the playoff game. You know, it really seemed like things were lining up for this to be Wentz's team in 2020. Uh, and the, to bring in a guy like Hertz, you know, you don't normally draft a quarterback in the second round, uh, you know, to sit. So it was just a kind of confusing move. You know, I think the, the further we've gotten away from it um, and, you know, the more that it kind of sits, the less kind of, you know, the more you can kind of rationalize it, um, you know, especially looking forward with, uh, you know, an 18-game schedule in the future. Um, you know, you want to have more insurance at the quarterback position. Um, and, you know, the Eagles, as they've said, uh, have shown the importance of having a good backup the past few years. So, you know, I think at the time the fan reaction was probably negative, And now I think, you know, he's on the team. So people want him to do well uh, and people want once to do well. So I think that's where we're at right now. Do you think that the fan base is as sold on Wentz as the front office is? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that both sides, you know, he's the quarterback. You know, they drafted him number two. They invested a lot uh, in him. Um, you know, the fans have invested emotionally in him. Uh, the front office has invested in draft capital and finances. So, you know, I think at this point, it's hard to find a good quarterback. Um, in the NFL. And so I think that the Eagles have found one. So, you know, I think people are sold on him. You know, people will bring up the injury stuff, but, um, you know, the concussion was kind of a discouraging way to end the season. But, you know, in terms of, you know, the injury prone label, um, you know, I sort of consider the, the concussion to be more of a freak thing uh, that happened, you know, as opposed to, you know, something that, reflects poorly on on Wentz's durability and health another name we're familiar with in Washington Deshaun Jackson is he fully healthy this year yeah all indications are um you know he's 100 percent um after really only playing one full game last year um he looked really good um in in camp he's he's still really fast um and I think that that's the the most important thing that the Eagles want to see out of him this year Deshaun's one of those guys that's going to run a 4-3 when he's 50, isn't he? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I've only been covering the team. This is going into my third year. Um, but there's plenty of guys who were around um, when he came in as a rookie. And, you know, we're, we're here for his last seasons in 2012 and 2013. And it's, you know, it's a marvel. Um, you know, the fact that he's 33 and can still fly like that. Um, you know, it's just a question of how many, like, he'll probably miss games he hasn't played 16 games since 2013 but you know it just becomes a question of how many games will he miss what 
does the starting offensive line look like now with the injuries to Dillard and Brooks? And you mentioned Lane Johnson may not be ready for week one. Yeah, that's when, you know, the over the past couple of years, the Eagles have had one of the best and uh, most consistent offensive lines. Um, and they were already shuffling things going into this this season with Andre Dillard taking over for Jason Peters. Um, but right now, the way things are looking is with, you know, they brought Peters back to replace Brooks at right guard. Then Dillard got hurt. Then they worked Matt Pryor, uh, a third-year guy, at left tackle for a couple practices. Uh, one of the practices we watched, it did not go well. Um, and now, you know, they moved Peters uh, back over to the left side, and Pryor should start um, at right guard. So, you know, you have Peters at left tackle, Isaac Samalu at uh, left guard, Jason Kelsey, uh, one of the best centers in the NFL. Pryor should be the starter at right guard. And then, you know, Johnson should start um, – at right tackle, uh, if he's healthy, um, I think that that's still a solid offensive line. Um, you know, obviously, it gets things if Johnson misses time, it gets really dicey. Um, behind him, they have Jordan Mailata, who was a seventh round pick in 2018. Uh, he's from Australia and has never played in a regular season NFL game. Uh, I think the only football games he's played in his life are seven preseason games um, over the past two years. And you didn't even get the preseason uh, this year uh, to work him in. Uh, and then Jack Driscoll, who was a fourth-round pick out of Auburn. So, you know, not a lot of offensive lines in the NFL are made to lose two starters uh, to season-ending injuries. Uh, the Eagles were lucky that they had Peters there. Um, so there is kind of still some continuity. Um, but, you know, it's definitely worth monitoring Johnson uh, in the coming days. With the lack of depth, are you surprised that they cut Prince Tigo Wanohu? Uh, and and did they get him back on the practice squad? That was big on him coming out. Yeah, he was he was back on the he's on the practice squad. Uh, he made it through waivers and they brought him back. Um, he was the only one of their ten draft picks uh, who didn't make the initial fifty three man roster. Um, I think the Eagles kind of look at him as a de- long term uh, developmental prospect. He had the injury concerns, um, you know, coming out. You know, a lot of people thought he'd be a day two pick or early on day three, and he lasted until the sixth round, which, um, you know, one of my college buddies covers Auburn, and he said he was really surprised uh, to see Prince Sega last that long. Um, but I think that they kind of are looking at him more long term. Um, you know, he was the third team left tackle uh, for all of camp. Um, you know, I guess, you know, he's healthy. He worked the entire time. Um, but I think it just kind of came down to a numbers game uh, with him. They have some other young, raw offensive linemen um, that they like and that they have on the depth chart. Um, so I think it was just a numbers game with Winogo. Um, and I think that he'll be, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, over the course of the season and, you know, in his career, um, you know, what kind of happens uh, with him. No Jalen Rager week one, no Alshon Jeffrey week one. We know about Deshaun Jackson. We're familiar with our Seagull White side. Who else is out there on week one? Well, uh, Washington fans uh, should remember Greg Ward um, a little, maybe a little too well uh, from his game-winning catch uh, last December. Um, you know, I think the way that things are shaking out, the, the top three wide receivers will probably be um, – Jackson and Ortega Whiteside on the outside with Ward in the slot. But one guy to keep an eye on would be John Hightower, 
Uh, he's the fifth round pick out of Boise State. Um, he's actually from Landover uh, and played his high school football at Largo uh, and Riverdale Baptist. Um, and he said he grew up a couple, you know, a couple minutes away from the stadium. Um, and he had a really impressive training camp. Um, you know, Quez Watkins, the sixth rounder who's now on injured reserve, um, you know, really stood out the first few practices. But over the course of the two weeks that we saw, um, Hightower really, really stood out. Um, you know, he's a track guy. He has really good speed. Um, but beyond that, he was just making some really tough catches um, in the end zone. Uh, he was going back and forth with Darius Slay. Um, and so I think Hightower would be one to watch. Um, and then they might promote someone from the practice squad. Um, Deontay Burnett would be a name to watch there. Um, I think he had the best uh, training camp out of any wide receiver, um, but with just the way that the the numbers game shook out, um, you know, they had to wave him and they got him through uh, and onto the practice squad. So and you're going to see a lot of Jackson Ward uh, and Arthago Whiteside, but I would certainly keep an eye out for Hightower, uh, you know, getting the chance to make his debut uh, in his hometown. With tight end being the identity of the offense, are you surprised that they haven't given Ertz an extension yet? Um, a little bit. I think that that was something that is just going to come uh, with time. Um, you know, Kelsey and Kittle really reset the market um, in the offseason, so the two sides have the number to work with. Um you know, it is interesting because Ertz and Goddard both have two years left on their contracts and Goddard's on that cheap rookie rookie deal. Um, so there's going to have to be some decisions um, to make. But, you know, Ertz hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down. Um, you know, he missed a game last year, uh, but that was more with the kind of freak injury um, with how he took a hit. Um, but he's been consistent. He's the quarterback's favorite target. And he's, you know, one of the quarterback's best friends. Um, you know, I think that you, you want to keep him in the fold. Um, so I guess I am slightly surprised that it hasn't, you know, a deal hasn't been worked out yet, but, you know, I think it's something where, you know, it's just kind of wait and see at this point. But she'd say this is a timing thing and a, not a, We've already we've got Goddard type thing. I mean, essentially they'll they'll want to keep both. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I don't really I don't have the answer to that. Um, you know, I would think it's just a timing thing. Um, there was a report that you know after the Kittle and Kelsey uh, deals happened, there was a report I think from ESPN and NFL media that they restarted talks, uh, and then you know within the past week there was another report that they're that they broke off talks because they were far apart. But, you know, I think that that's just kind of one of those subplots to watch um, during the year. But, you know, I mean, Ertz is the seventh highest paid tight end in the NFL. And, you know, he's performed like a top three or four tight end the past couple of years. So um, that's something they're going to have to work out. Um, I don't, I wouldn't read too far in, you know, to whether or not that, you know, they've already committed at this point, you know, to Goddard down the road, but, I think it's just something to watch, um, you know, over the course of the season. We all know about Fletcher Cox. How has his camp been so far? And who won the starting job next to him at the other tackle spot? Fletcher Cox looked really good. Um, one thing that he talked about was he had he was hurt in the playoff loss at the Saints uh, at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, so he spent all of last summer rehabbing. Uh, and he 
pretty much didn't do anything in training camp at all last year. So he spent the first uh, part of the season playing his way into shape. And then you saw him down the stretch kind of be 2018 Fletcher Cox, who had, you know, 10 and a half sacks and wasn't all pro. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, he's healthy. He looks good. Um, you know, the Eagles need him to be that same uh, disruptive self um, because he really opens things up for the defensive ends. Uh, and the Eagles don't necessarily like to blitz that much. They want to get pressure with four. Uh, and if you've got a 10 sack defensive tackle, that goes a long way. Um, as for the starter next to him, uh, I think that's going to depend on injury. Um, they have Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson listed as co-starters um, on the depth chart. And I think that they're going to, that the reps are going to be pretty split there um, to start. Uh, Hargrave didn't practice at all uh, with an upper body injury during training camp. Uh, so he's one we're going to find out about this week, you know, with his health. Um, but, you know, the Eagles gave him some big, they gave him $13 million uh, per year um, in free agency. And, you know, they, they want to give Fletcher Cox a long-term running mate. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't underrate Malik Jackson either. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting next to Cox when they're out on the field uh, on Sunday. Uh, he was the big time free agent signing last year. Uh, they gave him $10 million a year. So they really invested in this position. Um, Jackson only played, you know, barely a half uh, last year and before having a season ending injury in the opener. And he's looked really, really good uh, during camp. Every day it seemed like he was making a play. He's really long. Uh, he's tall. He can get in the passing lanes. Uh, and he's a good interior pass rusher. I think he had eight and a half sacks a couple of years ago at the Jaguars. And he said he's really driven. He got benched at the end of his time uh, in Jacksonville. He got cut. He got hurt. You know, so it's been really a long time since that 2017 season where he was so good on that great Jaguars defense. So the interior defensive line it could be really fun to watch this year. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway is the fourth defensive tackle, um, and he really had his moments during camp and last year uh, next to Cox before he had a season-ending injury of his own. So this could be Ridge a really talented group, but it's all about health. Ridgeway's from Texas, right? Yep. Yeah, he was a third-round pick of the Colts a couple of years ago. Uh, Daniel, the Eagles have let go of more corners than they have on the roster now, I think. <laughs> Where you simple with moving Mills to safety, they've got and they released Russell Douglas and Sidney Jones. Were you surprised by those? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I was surprised by the uh, Jones or Douglas releases. Um, you know, I think when you look at the cornerback depth chart now, um, you know, there is a difference between a you know when you have an eighty-man roster and you look at the the cornerback depth, it can kind of be like, oh, okay. You know, they have a lot of guys here. They can do a lot. But now that you're down to five corners on the 53-man roster, uh, the situation, you know, becomes a little bit more stark. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I wasn't necessarily surprised that Douglas or Jones got released. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it was just kind of the thing where time had run out. Um, you know, Douglas, they kind of knew what he was. Um, personally, I probably would have hung on to him as a depth piece. You know, he really showed the past couple of years that if they needed him, he could come in, uh, in a pinch and play on the outside, uh, and even make some plays for them. Um, but you know, it seemed like the team and the coaching staff looked at him, you know, a little bit different than, you know, I did, um, or something like that. Um, and with Jones, it was just kind of the, 
he just wasn't available. Um, he got hurt again uh, during during training camp. Um, you know, just couldn't stay on the field the past couple of years because of injuries. Struggled with his confidence, and I think that I think it was just time uh, with him. I think that a change of scenery could be pretty good for him. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. You know, for for the next couple of years. Has Peterson said if Slay will travel with McLaurin? Do they do they plan on having Slay travel in this defense? Um, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, said that it's something that they'll do at times. Um, they'll pick their spots uh, with Slay when he travels. Um, but I think that we'll see Slay matched up with McLaurin uh, a decent amount. Um, Slay actually brought up McLaurin back in, I think, March or April, uh, right after he joined the Eagles. Um, he talked about how McLaurin was someone who really impressed him uh, during the, the Lions-Washington game last year. Uh, and obviously the Eagles are probably a little too familiar uh, with McLaurin from last year uh, with his 10 catches for 255 yards and two long touchdowns uh, in those two games. So that'll be a fun one to watch. And, you know, I think that we, we'll see Slay and McLaurin matched up more often than not. Speaking of Peterson, uh, he contracted the, uh, got the coronavirus earlier in the uh, offseason and Deuce Staley stepped in. First, how is he doing, and has he spoken about things he may have learned from that experience? Yeah, actually, someone asked him today, um, you know, how he was feeling. Um, Peterson came back, you know, he left for 10 days, um, got his negative tests, came back. Um, and, you know, today he said he, he feels good. Um, he's not really having any after effects uh, from the coronavirus or anything like that. Um, and I think the one thing that he really talked about um, – you know, after he contracted it, um, the day that he, the day after the team announced, uh, we talked to him uh, on video conference. He was, you know, at his home in South Jersey. Um, and he wouldn't necessarily say where or how he thought he contracted the virus. Um, but he just kind of talked about how it reiterated the need to have constant vigilance, you know, to take all the precautionary measures, um, both you know, within the facility and also outside of the facility. Um, you know, it, the way that he talked about it um, really made it kind of sound like he got it somewhere um, not uh, at the team facility. So he just kind of said that it, you know, it reiterated to him just the need to be careful. Um, and I think that, you know, it was something that was emphasized to the players too. Philly travels well, as we know. Get rowdy at home, as we certainly know. How is the link handling fans in the stands? And do you find that to be a – if they're not going to have fans, will that be a big disadvantage? Yeah, so the official announcement um, from the team was that there's not going to be fans in the stands until further notice. Um, I think that means at least uh, the first two home games uh, at the end of September – um, after that, things are a little bit up in the air. Um, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, talked last week about how he, he hopes that there will be fans at the link at some point this year. Um, you know, he said that, he's, that the team is working with the city uh, in order to work something out where they can get people in the stands. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, obviously, at FedEx Field, the stands are going to be empty on uh, Sunday. Um, 
you know, it's going to be new. Um, even with artificial crowd noise, I don't necessarily think that that'll make that much of a difference. Um, but it will be interesting. You know, some of the guys have talked about how they might have to alter their approach uh, to getting ready for games because they really like to feed off of the energy. Um, one of the things that was kind of alluded to by a couple guys is, you know, you get that adrenaline rush uh, from the crowd at the beginning of a game. And, um, you know, someone said, you know, they might have to, you know, warm up more or be, you know, more careful while they're warming up uh, to make sure they're completely ready. Um, other guys like defensive end Brandon Graham, uh, you know, he said he was ready. Uh, you know, anytime, anywhere, he wants to play football. It doesn't matter how many people there, who's not there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, the Eagles have the reputation, you know, of their fans traveling well. Uh, they have the reputation of the length being a pretty tough place to play. Um, so I think that there will be some, you know, there will be some changes. And, um, you know, I think that it's something that the players are just really going to have to get used to. All right, Daniel, please tell us the best place to get a Philly cheesesteak and how to order it. <laughs> oh, man, I'm the wrong person to ask about this. Uh, I am actually, I have celiac disease, so I'm on a gluten-free diet. Uh, and there's only one place uh, that I found in Philadelphia uh, to get a, uh, a gluten-free cheesesteak, uh, and that's Joe's Steaks uh, in Fishtown. Uh, they've got one, I think, pretty far up in the Northeast, too. Um, and I go, I go onions and provolones, oh, onions and provolone. I'm not a cheese whiz guy, uh, but <laughs> you're, you're also asking, asking the wrong guy for, uh, for bread-based uh, recommendations. Daniel, thank you so much for giving us some time today. You can find him at Daniel JT Gallon on Twitter and his work on at Penn Live. Anywhere else they can find you? You got anything coming up you want to tell the folks about? Uh, that's about it. Uh, going to have some good feature stories uh, uh, over the next couple days, uh, especially for Washington area guys. Um, should have something uh, about the aforementioned John Hightower, uh, Landover native coming out, uh, and also something about Rodney McLeod, uh, who's another Prince George's County guy uh, who played at the Matha um, and is really expected to take on a big, big role this year for the Eagles. So Follow me on Twitter at Daniel JT Gallon, and you should see those links coming across your timeline at some point in the next few days. Daniel Gallon, everybody. Thank you so much, bud. Thanks for having me.